Shall we begin? Let's begin now. what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined, as always, by James, the expert on this show. Oh, don't downplay yourself, mate. Let's be real. I'm here for vibes. You're here for the analysis. I would say you're the socials expert, though, because I've been put in charge of something and I haven't done very good at it. You are correct. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone who is on the Threads platform. We are there. I can't promise anything of quality. I can promise that we are there, though. Or are we? Because, James, I said to you, mate, can you post for us? Just post something. It's the first day that people are getting on this platform. We need to be there. We need to at least have something to say. And I couldn't figure I'm out how looking, to log in. Uh, yeah, I'm looking right now. I, I can't see anything. So, yeah, a bit strange. I don't know how to log into the app if I've already logged in. So, you just log out of your own account and log in. Really? It, I mean, it should it's be a bit a, inconvenient. It should be a simpler system of switching well, accounts. I already have on Instagram that system. I, I know and I understand and I agree with you because I have multiple accounts that I manage on Instagram. It should be like that. And anyone who manages more than one account would agree with me. But James, I, I think I expected a bit more from you, a bit more common sense to go, maybe I just log out and log in as a different Look, account. I'll, I'll forward this um, formal complaint onto Mark Zuckerberg and ask for him to fix the platform. Sure. Well, uh, if you are on threads, feel free to give us a follow. Soccer Who's Pod is our handle. And as I said, we, we hopefully will be posting at least whenever we get a new episode, maybe starting some conversations as well. That is the purpose of that platform. Uh, if you have complaints about it, get in touch with Mark. If you have complaints about this show, get in touch with James. Cause, oh, thanks, mate. Well, it, I'm saying that because you oh, won't true. respond be... to them. <laughs> true. And so we won't have to worry about it. Wow. That, if you have positive feedback... A... To you. Send it to me. Yeah, there you go. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, James, relatively big show coming up. I didn't realize how much football had actually been played this past week until I saw our run sheet. Five games, I think, are at least noteworthy. Four, maybe you might think are noteworthy. Yes. We can debate that fifth one uh, when it comes up. And plenty of transfer news a legend of Australian football retiring and records being broken as well. So we'll get to that uh, in just a second. But first, let's go around the grounds. Let's see what's happening in the past week in Australian football. First up, uh, Thomas Deng. As we record this, James, we're watching uh, the game that he's playing against Vissel Code. They're currently 1-0 down. The game will be over by the time we finish this podcast. But... He did get a clean sheet in the last match that he played. He did, and he's been in a good vein of form. I thought, unfortunate not to, you know, be, to be honest, to start against Argentina, let alone you know, his place in the squad. I think he's very clearly, for me, right now, um, our best inverting right-back option. So if we want to play with an elbow of the right-back coming inside and allowing us to transition to a bit of a three-back, in the um, 
creation and build-up phases, I think he's quite clearly the best option there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought a bit disappointing that he didn't feature because I think he deserves it. Because as we've seen in Clubland, he's been absolutely phenomenal. His pass completion rate is very good. The way he's able to hold up defenders, very, very good as well. And he just very rarely, you know, puts a foot wrong in a duel. He's uh, become very, he's become far more intelligent throughout his years and his time playing in the J1, which I think is the top league in all of Asian football. I think it's the creme de la creme, top, you know, top of the game. I'd say better than Saudi Arabia because we haven't really seen what Saudi Arabia is yet. Yeah. Because, I mean, very fresh uh, in terms of all the faces coming in. Is it going to revolutionize the league or is it just going to be China 2.0, right? Mm. To absolute extremes. So it's very hard to predict, very volatile. Um, so that's why I say for me right now, uh, Japan's league system uh, and specifically the J1, I reckon it's the top league in Asia. And if Thomas Dang is, you know, doing really well over there, I think he should do, honestly just be on the team sheet pretty much straight away, especially when we struggle for a bit of centre back depth. Um, I think, yeah, he probably should be, you know, getting his name on that team sheet. He's been very good. I mean, not that the national team is a direct reflection of the league, but I think it's fair to say that Japan are probably the standard of Asian football at the moment. They're, they're very, very good, the Japanese side, and that isn't a direct reflection, but it certainly helps having a strong Japanese system and a strong Japanese league. Whether we'll see, yeah, Saudi Arabia just being China 2.0, I guess it remains to be seen. But it's interesting that you talk about centre-back depth because Deng is one of our backup left centre-backs. This next player, oh, sorry, right centre-backs, I should say. That's a that's a card for me right there, yellow card, first warning. But uh, on the left-hand side, we do have someone who hasn't featured for Australia, and I'm still baffled by this because when you're scoring goals as a centre-back, surely... Surely there should be questions asked and you should be featuring, at least in the squad. Alex Grant, we've spoken about him in previous weeks. It seems like he he must have done something to annoy Graham Arnold because he just hasn't been called up to a squad. Got a goal in a 3-1 win against Suwong. Uh, Playing well for Pohang Mm -hmm. in Korea. Which I would say is the second best league in Asian football. I'd say it's Japan 1, Korea 2. Saudi Arabia 3, as things stand right now. And that has been James's rankings of the Asian leagues. Come back next week to find out yes. who is in fourth place. Who would be in fourth place? I guess that's for next week. It's not that apparently. interesting, I'll be honest. Oh, well, anyway, I, I'm just trying to give a bit of, you know, a bit of an understanding because, you know, if listeners, they only watch the A-leagues. No? Sure. That okay. could provide a bit of depth um, to the understanding of how good Alec Grant has been because A-leagues would probably be in that five to seven range of, it, mm. of Asian football. And Alex Grant has been one of the best defenders in all of K1, the Korean top flight, right? Yep. Uh, for Forest side, Pohang, you know, he's got them absolutely flying in the league, second in the league this year. Um, Ulsun, oh, Hyundai, once again, out in front. Uh, that seems to be where they perennially are, a bit of a man city. I'm looking at their goal difference right now. Plus 23, uh, Steelers in second with a plus seven. Yeah, 20 games into the season as well. Gosh. A uh, bit, bit, bit of a season there, but Alex Grant uh, routinely 
phenomenal, really. I would say team of the season once again so far this year, as he was last year. He is one of the best defenders in the league. Left-footed centre-back, which obviously puts you up in my personal rankings. If you can play with your left foot, you're phenomenal. And yeah, he his security on the ball is absolutely phenomenal. And the way he can, you know, also get in with a goal, you know, this time with his head, you know, bit of a set piece. We got we love those. We love those. So puts it away. And for Alex Grant, I think the way he's been able to continue to develop as a footballer, even though he's 29 years of age, he's been able to continually develop his game and grow it from what he was, you know, in his earlier days playing in the A-League where he was a bit of a streaky defender, you know, when to get out and run, keep him defenders on the outside of his hip and look to win the ball early to what he can now do, which is delay, slow down quicker defenders, then pick his moment to take the ball away. His growth and his defending attributes have been phenomenal and he's become so secure on the ball and rarely puts a wrong foot in. Uh, I think it's absurd, to be honest, that he hasn't featured for the Socceroos ever and if he doesn't get a cap, he may go down as one of the best Australian footballers to never play for the Socceroos. That that would be ludicrous. I, I, he's very good. I, I want to talk about maybe an opportunity that he will get at, at someone else's expense. But before we talk about that player, uh, also still in Asia, uh, Mitch Duke, two assists, 3-2 win uh, against Omiya Arja uh, in, the, in the J-League 2. So, hey... That's what we want our attackers to be doing, creating goals, uh, whether they're the ones that are putting them in or whether they're the ones creating them. I think it, once again, emphasizes the role that he can play for Australia and, and does play for Australia in that he's not just the finisher, but he drops in yeah, and he is, is a workhorse and creates goals as well. And he's doing that for his club side. Yeah, we won't dwell on Mitch Duke because he's very much a known commodity. Right, mm. We've seen at the World Cup what Mitch Duke offers and he offers it to his club team to... Good success as well. So great to see him getting on the scorecard. Um, whether it's, you know, as the primary name or the name under that, he's playing well over there in J2. Two, two assists is is quite good, though. Oh, so, very yeah, good. Yeah. And not that we, I agree with you, we probably don't need to dwell on him for too long, but, you know, props to Mitch Duke. Yeah. Great effort. Uh, yeah, nice little tick for you there. Yeah, it's Central Coast have been doing some good things in terms of youth development, apparently. They they have been, uh, and I, I I like what you're doing there because this player that I alluded to just before, uh, unfortunately, he's a Central Coast uh, product. Alumni? Alumni, I guess. Uh, and he might be creating a space for Alex Grant uh, with the news that Gianni Stensness has done his ACL, which it's something about Australians and the ACLs, man. Yeah, it's not good. It's not great. Uh, he'll be out for a, a period of time. Um, 12 months, probably. What means he misses out on the Asian Cup. Yeah, brutal. Um, and those moments, I think, for any any footballer to play in tournament football is is one that you know they'd love to have. Whether Stensness is in that squad or, or thereabouts, I, I reckon he He's makes right an extended... He's right the brink, yeah. I think he makes an extended squad, but maybe that will create space for Alex Grant... Obviously, his teammates at Viking also doing pretty well, coming off the bench in their most recent game. But thoughts are with Stansness, and uh, it's a, it's a, hopefully it's not a long road for, to recovery for him. Yeah, it's a hard injury to recover from. Um, but if it, for your first one, it's very doable, uh, and I'm sure he's going to get state of state of the art medical attention and help mm-hmm. through that recovery. And as we see in the modern age, more and more so, when players return from those kind of injuries, they're 
you know, looking better than ever when they do return. I mean, we saw Suter did yeah. his ACL and he was back playing at the World Cup and looking incredible. So hopefully he can get onto Suter's doctor and Suter's uh, physio and the whole medical team that helped him rebound back because, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see Stenson's back in and around that soccer squad. Yeah, he offers a good bit of versatility in being able to play a central centre-back or a six. He might be needed to play a bit of six, considering we might have lost one of Australia's best six options. Yeah. Get to that in just a second. I want to talk about this game that, look, you said it's a friendly. Should we really talk about it? I think it's worth mentioning when someone uh, gets a goal, uh, especially in a week where there hasn't been a lot of football being played. And as someone who might make a return, I don't think the chances are high, but it might make a return to the Socceroos squad. James Holland getting a goal. Austria, I believe, are in preseason already Correct, at the moment. Yep. So uh, getting a goal uh, for Austria, Vienna, and uh, have, have a go at pronouncing that team that they played against. Oh, Florestorfer. Yeah. just It sounds like something from a Phineas and Ferb episode. Yeah. Well, those of you that are well-versed in the FM world will be very familiar with that team. There you go. Uh, I obviously not, not as versed in that and I've obviously been getting way too many Phineas and Ferb TikTok uh, videos (laughs) popping up on my feed recently don't know what I'm liking to get that but uh, it sounds yeah it sounds like something from a Phineas and Ferb episode Uh, James Holland with the loss of Aaron Moy do you think there's a a long shot of him returning to Socceroos as a six I would hope so Um, to be honest I think James Holland should have been in the conversation for the World Cup squad. Mm. Probably could have, should have continued to be in the conversation heading into the Asian Cup, but because he's been so far out now, I feel like it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think Arnie is really paving the way for the future, so I wouldn't be surprised if that means that he's no longer going to feature, but, I mean, he's a, he's a decent footballer. He's been a great servant for the national team when he has been called upon, I think. So, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be totally opposed to seeing him, but... The hole that has been created by Aaron Moy is quite significant. Shall we talk about his retirement and the transfers that have happened within this past week, James? Yeah, as sad as, as, sad as it is, yeah. Well, news of Aaron Moy's retirement broke about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, very interestingly, I think the last episode that we recorded, we we mentioned Aaron Moy and you, and you said to me, you're like, can I, can I say this thing? I'd... I don't. You must be the only person in football media who goes, "Am I allowed to break this news?" Well, it involves someone, a human, who has a serious injury. Oh, look, I understand that, but if you had the chance to break news and you don't take that opportunity, I feel like that's the the point of a journalist uh, is to tell the stories. I would call myself a journalist, Lachlan. Well, maybe you need to reframe your thinking because uh, we we should be on the cutting edge of this uh of these. Stories, James. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe anyway, I do. Regardless, Aaron Moy has retired. Uh, as you said last week, back injury yes. was the thing that is probably preventing him from playing more football. And I don't know how much money he made while he was in China. He made a move over to China to earn money to set him up for the future. Obviously, it's enough. He's decided to do that. Can you see him in a, a managing or a coaching perspective or in the media? I would love Aaron Moy as manager. There is, when you look at modern football, if, if you just look at the history of football in general, right? Mm. 
often the best managers for me are these, you know, deep sixes or, you know, defensive eights. These, and they're often, for lack of a better word, cerebral talents. Mm. It's so intelligent just the ways I see the pass and can break the lines where they're passing and the way they read the play ahead of them. Like, they often make the best managers. Yeah. Pep Guardiola played that role. Chevy played that role. Arteta played that role, right? When you look at all the best managers that were previously players, they're these deep sixes that broke the lines with their passing and were extremely intelligent in their movement. And Aaron Moy fits that mold. So I, I don't know if that's just me with a bit of, um, I don't know, confirmation bias when you look at the best managers as well. And they're like, oh yeah, they're like that. Aaron Moy was like that too. Mm. But it, it, just that gut reaction, right? When you look at Australian managers, you know, Harry Kuehl's been okay. You know, things like that. I think Millie Yedinek's going to be a great coach, for example. Yep. Good old Mike um, at Tottenham. I think Aaron Moy is got, would be a phenomenal manager. Obviously, what he does is what he does. Um, I would expect him to take a bit of a break from football. I think he wants to probably spend some time with the family. Um, you know, that time in China was quite taxing, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Away from the family, COVID, you know, lockdown, things like that. It's not easy. Um, of course, was back with the family for a little bit while over in Scotland. Uh, then most recently was back in Australia, uh, which is where he actually announced his retirement from. Um, and where those murmurs started getting out about the injury. Because, yeah, um, when you're out on the streets, people find out. But, yeah, I think it's uh, quite disappointing in a way that he's retired because he's still obviously got it. I mean, he's just had one of his best seasons of his career at Celtic. Uh, but... Yeah, injuries got the best of him, um, and he's had a phenomenal career. So I hope he has a happy retirement and from playing, and I hope we don't see the end of Aaron Moy from this day because I, I think he is a phenomenal footballing talent, and whether he's doing it with his head or with his feet, I think he will be a, if he wants to, uh, a great servant to the game and a great steward to the game in Australia for a long time. I feel like that thing that you just said there needs some context. If he's out in the streets, people will find out. Because out of context, that sounds a little strange. I know what you're referring oh, to. Oh, yes. He, he was spotted by a friend of yours yes. who doesn't really know that much about football, but was like, I recognize this yes. guy. And found out basically he had a back injury that yeah. was going to probably prevent him from playing. And that's how you found out. And then you, you kind of coyly going, oh, do I reveal this? Do I not? Should I break this news? Should I keep this to myself and just know that this is what's happening. Aaron Moy is not the sort of person who is out on the streets, homeless or, or anything else. Oh, I, now I see. Now that you put it that way, I can see and understand. Or doing other things that one might do out in the street. Bit of street football, bit of panel. Well, he wouldn't be considering his back injury at True. the moment. But I just wanted to clarify that. Secondly, I can definitely see him as the sort of person who might go into like a tactical, I don't know about a, a first team manager. I can definitely see him in a similar role to what Thomas Broich is doing in Germany in terms of tactical understanding and tactical awareness and, and helping the the first team manager by doing kind of that, that stuff in the background. Tactical analysis is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. I don't know if he, he just doesn't seem to have the the personality of a first team manager. Maybe that'll grow, but I, I can see him working behind the scenes because he, he does have a great football understanding. Yeah, and I mean... I think what we've seen in recent years is you don't really need a personality, right? That's kind of a... I think that's a bit of an old 
an old, old head kind of a thing, Lachlan, for lack of a better word. Because when you look at people like Thomas Frank, you know, yes, they can, they, uh, they're a bit of motive, but they don't have that kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy kind of personalities that you used to get with like your Mourinho's of the world. So I'm not I'm not saying he needs to be a Mourinho, but I, I look at someone like Pep, like Klopp, who are happy to front the media and happy to to be the front man of their team and they're very successful managers. I just don't see Aaron Moy doing that. I I I, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's th- fair. I think, but yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a bill and end all for a manager. Sure, I I think maybe he's just yeah. a better assistant manager, the guy who quietly does yeah. stuff. That being said, I can also see Aaron Moy just owning a coffee shop and disappearing yes. into the world like yeah. a like Mark Viduka has. Like Mark Viduka. <laughs> anyway, that's probably enough on Aaron Moy for the moment. Actually, James, do you have a favorite Aaron Moy memory for the for the Socceroos or or my my best memory yeah. of uh, Aaron Moy is. There was that one goal for Huddersfield where he picked it up. I'd say, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to do a, a naughty thing. Sure. Football terms. About 10 metres outside the box. Yeah. Dribbled past a man, carried the ball, opened up to his right foot and just an absolute bullet into the top right corner, driving through. And yeah, that just the celebration with the arms out. It was a great goal. Great I, goal. I think maybe recency bias is definitely playing its part. I, I remember him scoring a goal against some, I want to say it was like in Vietnam or something. It was a free kick that hit the, maybe it hit the crossbar and then bounced in or just curled beautiful top right corner. And that was kind of him announcing himself on the national stage. But his most recent World Cup, our most recent World Cup, I should say, I think he, you know, really carried that team. He played more football than he probably should have, but he was so essential to our success in the national team at that World Cup that he he almost couldn't be taken off. And he really was the pasty perlo for the national team. James, a player that could maybe replace Aaron Moy in terms of what he could potentially do for the national team. Breaking records as well for his transfer... Christian Volpato, it's a transfer from Roma to Sassuolo, $14.77 million Australian dollars. It's quite a fee. It is a, it is a fantastic fee. Third all time. Uh, that is, it's crazy. And for someone who is so young as well, I think if, if a player in the prime of their career was, was going for that much money, you go, wow, okay, he's good. There is so much ceiling for Volpato. Like, the space between where he is and the ceiling, I should say. There's a lot of it. Yeah. It gives you a proper understanding for how high his potential is. I mm. feel like a few people in Australia, because the situation, I've been like, mm. oh, yeah. he He's not good enough at Italy. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. He is. Right? And that's why Sassuolo are paying such a significant fee for, to be honest, what is still a kid who has hardly played much first-team minutes, right? He's, he's played enough to mm. warrant, you know, an, the attention that he's received, but at the end of the day, he hasn't been a regular starter. Mm. And the fee represents just how high ceiling he has. And I'm hopeful that he's going to end up choosing Australia. Um, call that Maybe that's just me being a silly optimist, but I, I think he will ultimately choose Australia. And I'm 
I think this fee is going to be great. Uh, this transfer, sorry, it's going to be a great opportunity for him to secure first team football and play regularly in the Serie A next season. Yeah, you don't make that move and just go, okay, well, I'm happy to sit on the bench again. I think he has made that move because he wants first team football and he's realized that he's probably going to get more of it at Sassuolo than getting it at Roma. And yeah, I hope this is the real breakout season because I think last season where he got some minutes off the bench for Roma, I think in the cup, maybe in some of the uh, league fixtures, may, from memory, he maybe got some Europa League minutes as well. But then he kind of faded a little bit into obscurity, sitting on the bench. Not a horrible thing, but hopefully, I'm hoping that this means that he'll get plenty of football and he'll really develop. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with that. He's just, well, the only reason they paid that kind of fee if they're playing is if they're pl- planning on playing him. Mm. So I think we're going to see some significant first team minutes from Christian Vopato this year. Fantastic. James, uh, there's a, a fair few number of transfers that have happened this week. So uh, forgive me if I breeze through some of these. Uh, Bailey Wright, he has ended his contract with Sunderland. He's become a free agent. He's rumored to be going somewhere in Southeast Asia. I would like to see him back in the A-League because I think he can do something in the A-League, whether it be one of the mm. the Sydney or Melbourne sides. I don't know. I think he's just going to you know, try and get a bag in Southeast Asia and then maybe then head back to the A-League. That would be an interesting move. Not one that I would agree with, but it's the same setting up your family for the future. Look, I think that he could definitely be a leading centre-back in the A-League. And if clubs had the money to to pay for him, I think he would do a great job for A-League clubs. Yeah, I think maybe leading is a bit of a stretch. I think one of the better ones in the A-League. Um, I think, yeah, but most clubs would want him because he would be, you know, in that he'll be starting every game right for an A-League club. Name, name a couple of better A-League centre-backs then. Rodwell, when he's been healthy, I think is a lot better than him. Sure. And I know he's just left. Lamb would also be better than him. I, know, I would say Curtis Good currently is a little bit better than him as well. Interesting. I disagree. I think that even if you were to list those, what, three centre-backs, being the fourth best centre-back, I would argue, is still a leading centre-back in the A-League. Yeah, I, I would say he's the bracket of five to ten. Okay. Well, Which I'd um, say is like... I wouldn't say at least leading, but it's one of the best, one of the better ones. I guess I w- my thinking is that if he was to go to Southeast Asia, earn a lot of money, and then make a return back to the A-League, he would be in nowhere near the level that I think he could be as far as like an A-League signing goes. If you were to sign him in yeah. two or three years' time, you go, okay, it's Bailey right, sure. My, my brain's warming up as well. Marcelo would also be ahead of him. Okay. And maybe Roderick Miranda as well. I, I, I disagree. I think that Bailey Wright is... Better, like he, he's been playing for the national team and he's been doing... Like, he probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, but I, I just think he's better than, than than you rate him. Obviously, we disagree on that. Uh, hopefully, he comes to the A-League and we'll be able to watch him closely week in, week out and he can prove you wrong. Yeah, sounds good. Bailey, if you're up to that, that would be great. Uh, another signing that has gone this time from the A-League to overseas, Marco Tilio signing... Over $2 million. So broken, uh, I guess, Jordan Boss's, not record, but he's, he's gone. Not guess, has. Yes. 
So he, he's he's more expensive than Jordan Boss was, uh, over $2 million. And this is the thing about the Yale League. They don't really like to say how much, which I find a little bit, bit rude. But we do know it is over $2 million. You're going to Celtic, and there has been an opening, at least in Celtic's side, because Jota has gone to Saudi Arabia. So we might see more first-team football for uh, Tilio than we yeah. first thought. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be a regular bench player. I think Abada is probably the choice to mm. jump into that first team spot now, that starting spot. And I think Tilio kind of replaces Abada. Is that, mm. you know, 60th minute, okay, we need an attacking player on, on comes Tilio. Mm. And starting in cup games and rotational options right now. I think the really important thing for this Marco Tilio deal is I believe it was five years. Yeah, big. Right, big contract. Uh, so they clearly back him long term as a long term option. Uh, and potentially also a long-term option to get a fee for. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the more important thing, that they have clearly signed Marco Tilio with the intention that you know, he's not going to come in and, you know, straight away plug him into the first team. And, you know, if he works out great, if he doesn't, I'll move him on. It's not a, oh, let's sign him to a one, two-year deal, see how it goes, and if it doesn't work out, move him on off the bench. No, they've signed him with the idea that this is guy is a replacement. He's got a future at this club, and we believe in the player he is now. But more importantly, we believe in the player he's going to be five years down the track. Yeah, it, it's a it's a big move. I'm excited for him to, to see how he continues to develop. And I guess take that step up, because Cel- the Celtic side will be playing Champions League football. He might be playing Champions League football next season uh, if they choose to give him some minutes in, in that competition. But at the minimum, Cup and league games for Celtic uh, in Scotland is very, very good for him. Uh, James, today I feel uh, like a Middlesbrough podcast because two signings for Middlesbrough, Sam Silvera uh, broken the record for Central Coast Mariners. I think Roston Griffiths was the the fee uh, that was the last person whose record he's broken. Over 1.2 million Australian dollars uh, for him to go to Middlesbrough. And Tom Glover as well, moving from City uh, to Middlesbrough. Firstly, Sam Silvera, I think great. I think we spoke last week about this and what he could do with Riley McGree and the combinations that they could create and how that could maybe, if, if Silvera really starts to shine in this Middlesbrough side, what that could mean for our national team, which would be exciting. Glover is an interesting one for me because I don't know if I th- I think he's good enough to start for Middlesbrough. Mm. They've been rumoured to also be in for QPR's current first choice keeper. So I think the idea there is Glover maybe coming in as a cup keeper, you know, rotational options uh, and pushing the first team keeper for a spot, which I'm not generally opposed to um, because goalkeepers obviously are a bit unique. Mm. And the really important thing that people have to remember is Glover is 23 years old. Mm. He's young for a keeper, right? When I say 23 and keeper, for outfield players, that's like 19. Yeah. And there's a good four-year gap uh, between keepers and outfield players in terms of growth and development. So in the grand scheme of things, he is still a young keeper with lots of room to grow and learn. And to be honest, I don't mind him handing over as a cup keeper because... When, when I say cupkeeper, he's going to be playing, you know, mm. hopefully, if, if everything goes planned for Middlesbrough, 10 to 15 games in a season, you know, between all 
the cup competitions. Uh, maybe rotating a little bit as well. So he's going to get a decent amount of first-team football. Um, when you look at a player, you typically want them playing at minimum 20 games a year when they're in their develop, top developmental strides and playing at the peak of their career. 20 games a year is actually a fairly good indicator for growth. Uh, so a bit underneath that mark, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I think it's not the worst move in the world. And Tom Glover clearly backs himself to push him push, you know, whoever they bring in uh, because uh, Ortega, I believe, was their previous keeper who was in on loan from City and he's Stefan Ortega's head Zach, back. I thought his name was Zach Stefan or something like that. I think it was Stefan Ortega. Either way, we're not a Man City podcast, so I don't really mind. But their first choice keeper, he's gone, returned from his loan. So there's a big hole for Middlesbrough and Tom Glover clearly backs himself uh, to earn you know, number one minutes and good on him, I say. And I think he's not far off, uh, but there is definitely some growth points for Tom Glover. I'd say particularly related to a bit of uh, eccentricity. And I think I've just realized, Lachlan, mm-hmm. it's Zach Steffen and Stephen Ortega that I've mis- mixed up. Yeah. I think um, Steffen's the one that's head back. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. That's your, that's your first yellow card, buddy. Yeah, that... Hopefully that's my last one. Yeah. Well, if you got two, that you'd be sent off and we'd have to end the episode. It's true. That's with, how it works. With just me, which you wouldn't want. So I'll be, uh, we'll be watching that one. But yes, Tom Glover moving over to Middlesbrough. Look, I hope that he proves me wrong and he establishes himself as their first team keeper and, and helps them earn promotion to the Premier League. Wouldn't that be wild? Tom Glover started off at Tottenham in their uh, youth system. And he, he could be one of the people that helps get Middlesbrough back up to the Premier League. Yeah. There's been another transfer as well. S- speaking of players that have gone from Australia to English sides, Cassini Yangi is signed for Portsmouth. Undisclosed fee, although we believe it's six figures. Moving from Western Sydney Wanderers. Bit of, bit of a eh, transfer yeah. for me. I don't, I don't mind it, but I, I don't know if we'll be seeing Yangi feature for the soccer who's anytime soon, unless he has a, a, a blinder of a season. Well, the thing with Yingy, right, is we know the talent. Yeah. We see the talent. It is so obvious. When mm. he plays, it is so clear that this guy could be the number nine for Australia for a long time. Mm. The issue is, does the body hold up? Mm. Right? Uh, he has a horrible injury history. Uh, and the talent is there for him to absolutely dominate League One. He's going over to League One, mm. which is ridiculous. Like, he is better than League One in yeah. terms of his talent. Uh, but, yeah, the availability is an issue. So, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a phenomenal season and he will play for the Socceroos. But if his injury history that he suffered at Western Sydney continues over in Portsmouth, yeah. He'll be a lot like um, Calamelda, I feel. Gotcha. Really good club player when he plays, but too inconsistent in terms of his playing time due to his injury and history to feature for the Zuckeroos. Yeah. Um, once again, hopefully the injuries stay at bay and we, we start to see him emerge as a Zuckeroos contender. But yeah. I, I think there's a lot of depth that we've got attacking-wise coming through the Zuckeroos. Yeah. On the wings, yeah, maybe not a striker. But a bit of a lack of depth at striker, I feel. Yeah, th- I think that we've got... For me, we've got some promising attacking like players coming through. We've got Bodic, we've got Jovanovic as well. I think Mitch Duke will be around for as 
as long as he will be around for. I think, to be honest, Cummings still offers us something, at least for this next World Cup cycle. And in, in four years' time, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if Yangi will, will reach that level for the Socceroos. We'll wait and see. Okay, we'll wait and see. A couple of other youngsters making moves overseas. Uh, Rawley St. John, Sydney player, uh, heading what to name. Stuttgart. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Honestly, it feels like two last names. Um, people joke about people having like two first names or like three first names uh, in their name. Rawley St. John sounds like the type of guy that you would see at an elite school, uh, one of these GPS schools. I know you scrunched up your face because you went to one of them, but uh, it, it sounds like a private school kid because he has two last names as a name. Wow. But a move to Stuttgart uh, was a successful trial for him. Uh, he's he's another striker that's coming through. Yeah, Stuttgart clearly trying to keep their Australian ranks balanced. Mm, yes. Well, well, we'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, another Sydney player heading out, uh, Max Vitulli, goalkeeper, I believe, uh, heading over to Denmark to Alborg, BK. Uh, and once again, another successful trial. This one's a little bit strange. A two-year loan deal. What do you mean strange? It's clearly just the Danish league. have learned their place. They realised they're just a developmental league for the A-League. Sure. sure. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that. Uh, very rarely do you see a young player like that go out on loan to a league that is arguably higher. Yeah. Uh, in reality, it's a loan deal with options to buy yeah. included. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. And uh, the last youngster on the move, Chris Donnell, signing for Fulham, hmm. which is a, a big move. Um, Very that, interesting one as well, I'd say. I don't think he'll be playing Premier League minutes anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Chris Donnell, it's an interesting one. I think Chris Donnell, his physical attributes are clearly there. Mm. I think technically he has a bit of room to grow. Uh, he's a very versatile player, right? He can play as an eight. He can play as a six. Heck, I think his best position could be a bit deeper than that, even fullback or centre-back. Okay. Very, very versatile player. Um, I'm not sold on him. Technically, I think there's a lot of issues there, uh, especially his scanning. He doesn't scan very well, which I think is fine when you're playing the vertical football. That is Australia of always go forwards because you don't really need to scan. You just need to look forward, right? And his half turns aren't great either, which is why I think he's better in more of a fullback or centre-back role because that way he's just looking forward, right? There's no need to be looking for that back option because, you know, you know where your keeper is at all times. But in six, you need 360-degree awareness. In eight, you kind of need to have the half turn on you. Uh, so that's why I think he's better deeper. But his physical attribute, he's so strong and he's mm. so fast and he's so tall. The athlete in there, if a, if a club like Fulham can figure it out, he'll be a very, very good player. But I just haven't seen the strides yet technically to get there. Uh, but that being said, he's young, mm. a lot of potential, a lot of room to grow. That's why Fulham picked him up for what is obviously, once again, an undisclosed fee because where we live in Australia and everything's undisclosed. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. It's kind of, for me, a very much a hit or miss kind of transfer. He's either going to hit and he's going to work out and he's going to be phenomenal, right? And he's mm. going to flourish. And become a mainstay Socceroo. Yep. Or, you know, he, Zach Duncan say hi. He'll be back in the A-League in a year or two. Yeah, okay. 
Well, one to watch, certainly. I mean, he's so young. I imagine he'll be in their youth setup for quite a while, maybe playing Premier League two minutes as well. I don't know about Premier League two either. Uh, a lot of room to grow. He, yeah, it's hard for me to see him make, unless he makes significant progress over this preseason, hard for me to see him even getting Premier League two consistent minutes. Okay, well, hopefully he proves you wrong. Uh, James, speaking of a player that's gone overseas... Hasn't been as successful as we would have liked. It's confirmed right now. Alou Kowal uh, has signed for the Central Coast Mariners. Believe it's a two to three year deal. Yeah, I mean, a fee potentially involved as well. They've made so much money recently. They probably can afford to to splash some cash to to sign him. And with the departure of Cummings and the departure, I guess, of uh, his younger brother Garang, I don't, I don't hate it. I like seeing another Kowal playing for Central Coast Mariners. I would love to see him bounce back. Maybe we see Alou play for a year and then head back overseas. And we real and then Cummings realizes that India is not all cracked up to be and makes his return. And we we see a nice little, uh, I guess, roundabout of everyone loves the A League merry-go-round. Yeah, except it's just with one club. Yeah, <laughs> and with exciting strikers as well. Yeah, that's good. Alou Kowal is one of those strikers that I think could be yeah. uh, providing depth for the national team in years to come as well. I really like the signing. I really do. Um, I have really like the Sammy Silvera signing. I, mm. you know, I put out your favorite thing like a thread. Wow. Um, of this, and I base, and I I stand by it of saying the hallmark of a good A League club right now is positive youth development. Mm underpinned by long pin con- long-term contracts combined with good scouting up talent ID of Australian passport holders overseas. Yeah. If you can develop youth, sign on long-term contracts, find good young Australians overseas that want to come back to the A-League to rebound their careers. If you hit those things, you'll be a very successful A-League club. Mm. And Central Coast have been hitting those things for the last five years. Yeah. And that's why they've been so successful. And that's why they've earned... I can say it, millions of dollars yes. <laughs> to reinvest into the facilities to continue this process. Yeah. And that is exactly what football clubs in Australia need to strive for. And, you know, getting Sammy Silvera coming back and selling him on for a club record transfer fee because they can hold out now for a fee. Mm. Clubs were trying to get him in for like low six-figure Australian fees and they held out until the seven-figure fee came in. Yeah. Right, and they, they got that. And now, you know, they've brought back a Luke Wall who, if he has a rebound a couple of seasons as well, he could be off for a significant fee and they could earn significant money on him. So I love the contract. I love the direction Central Coast are going and for me, they're the gold standard right now in the A-League for how a club should be run. I mean, you look just up, you know, the F3... Uh, motorway and Newcastle. Bit of a contrast. Yeah. Uh, And unfortunately, Newcastle are currently owned by the rest of the A-League clubs. But Central Coast Mariners are really showing, I think, what A-League clubs should be doing, especially when you're not bankrolled by a football club overseas that is bankrolled then by a a, a nation uh, like Manchester City is. So... uh, I think Central Coast are, are really showing what can be done when you run an A-League club well. They've got a young manager who is ambitious and is good. They've they've just won 
the A-League Grand Final. And I'm excited to see how they go in Asia this year and to see yes. how their brand of football will go in Asia because AFC Cup. it's been a while since we've had any success for an Australian team in Asia. I'm really excited about the AFC Cup. Very different competition mm. to the Champions League, which Melbourne City are going to be playing in. Yeah. Um, I think they'll struggle in that this year. I think Melbourne, Melbourne City, City will struggle this year. Big rebuild, yeah. Yeah. But uh, w- we can talk about that uh, maybe when we preview the A-League season. One last player that I just want to touch on before we finish this episode, Daniel Arzani, James. He's been released by MacArthur. Where do you think he goes to? Well, it's victory, right? That's where he's going. I think it's everyone kind of knows it. He's going to victory. You don't think a return to uh, Melbourne City? No. I don't think Melbourne City really wants him, to be honest. Interesting. Um, with how Melbourne City want to play now, which is tactically astute football, um, tacting, signing a player that doesn't like tactics and just likes to run doesn't really fit. Okay, that's... A- Bit harsh on Arzani, but well, Arzani's an expressive player, which I appreciate in many ways. Yeah, right. Expressive players, I think, have a you know an important role to play in world football. And you look at some teams; sometimes they're the best option, right? Mm. You need those kind of players that are just going to say, you know, this tactic, cool, my feet better, right? Okay. And kind of can make that magic moment happen. And that's okay. But I think Azani doesn't really fit the system right now for Melbourne City. It's not really a natural fit for the two. And I think for a team that was as uninspiring, pragmatic, and to be honest, boring as one victory was last year, he'll be a phenomenal addition for them. And he brings exactly what they need, which is a bit of excitement and a bit of creativity. There you go. Bit of an outlet. Well, uh, I think that'll be it for this episode, James. Is there anything else you'd like to say briefly about uh, what's been what's been happening in Australian football? No, I, I, hopefully the Raw can make a signing at some point. Uh, now you just bring in your own personal pain pain to this to this forum. It's all right. We signed Acton, mate. Mm, yeah, that's 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 a move, isn't it, uh, James? I did want to just. Before we before we go anywhere, I did want to highlight uh, it is NADOC week this week. Yes, and what I love about our national team uh, is that I think it represents multicultural Australia in yeah. the best possible way. Oh, it's beautiful. I was literally having a conversation with um, one of the big wigs at work, and he is an Italian immigrant or his family Italian immigrants, and we're just talking about the melting pot that is. Australia, and I think that our national team is one of the best representations of that. And we have seen within our national team, and there's there's ways to go, I think, uh, in terms of recognition for Indigenous people. But I love that we have had a number of Indigenous Australians represent the national team. And I think it's important that we recognise the role that they've played for the national team in, in paving a way for new generations to come through. Because mm. the theme for NADOC weeks this, this week was about elders. And so I just want to quickly recognise the likes of Harry Williams, uh, the first Indigenous Australian to play for the Socceroos uh, and the first Indigenous Australian to go to a World Cup as well. So really leading the way. Uh, we also have then the likes of Charles Perkins, John yep. Moriarty and Jordan Briscoe 
uh, trailblazing in the 1950s. So good. Uh, in more recent years, uh, Travis Dodd, uh, Jade North was a, a big one, especially yeah. in, in more recent years. And he's got a role, I believe. Brisbane at, City? At Brisbane City. But I'm fairly certain he had a role for a little while with Football Australia in, in terms of like being an Indigenous representative for Football Australia. So, I yeah, I guess I want to recognise that. Um, we record this podcast on the land of the Yuggera people. And... Yeah, I, I look forward to seeing a day where we have more Indigenous Australians playing for our national team as well. Hands down. Fantastic. Well, that'll be it for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week and uh, you can get in touch with us on socials. We are on threads, Soccer Who's Pod. We're also on other platforms with that exact same handle. So give us a follow and uh, we'll catch you next week for more football and action. Until then, enjoy the football.